Hi, and welcome to Radcast. I am Elise Snipes, your host, um, and today's podcast episode is actually an ongoing conversation between some of the members of the Radical Wellness team. So like two weeks ago, we, we roundtable every Monday, which means we, all of us, the entire team, get together uh, and we kind of just kind of talk through one, like, how are you? What's going on? Where do you need support? What's coming up? Let's create, let's ideate, and let's go through. How are the people that you're taking care of? In one of these meetings, we the theme of anger kept emerging, like like this feeling of how to support a client's anger, what to do with your own anger, family of system, and and being a family of origin, this family dynamic systems. How do you, like being mad and and the roles and rules around anger and rage? And so we were sitting with this, and then Aurora. She's our somatic experience practitioner. She was just like spouting off the most like beautiful wisdom around how we somatically could engage our anger, be with our anger, allow anger to move us. And I'm pretty sure the rest of us were just like, what? <laughs> Can you say that again, please? So I know for myself personally, and then for Jess Martindale, Together, we were like, hey, we need, we need to have more of this conversation. So today's episode is that. It's the follow-up conversation to what Aurora was talking to us about in regards to staying in a window of tolerance, what the window of tolerance is, and what the heck it has to do with being mad. And then we explore things like, what, how could rage be in your favor? Are you allowed to be mad? What's your experience of mad been like? Do you have someone who's mad in your family? And why, why do they get to be mad? Does anybody else get to be mad? And have you seen safe anger or is, has anger always been associated with bad or, or, or scary? So we're kind of undoing and pulling the threads of some of those conversations. And, um, and today is really like, it's us talking and like just, shooting our experiences back and forth and would really love to hear your questions and thoughts alongside our own, please chime into this conversation. You can do so on Instagram with us via email, Um, but we'd love to know your thoughts because we're going to hopefully do a piggyback episode to this because there were a lot more places we wanted to go. So without further ado, you're going to hear from Aurora Allen, Jessica Martindale, and myself as we explore anger. Cheers. I mean, I mean, yeah, here's the thing. I have been thinking about this podcast and every time I do, I just return to how, what, what a gift it is to demystify what anger is. Mm. And is it possible to be angry in the window of tolerance? Mm. Is that possible? Cause I've only seen it where people go like hyper aroused, raging, mm yelling, harmful, traumatizing other people, maybe even themselves, or hypo, I need to shut that down, lock it up. Mm. And now I'm depressed and I have ulcers because I'm not allowed to feel angry. And so I'm just really sad. Mm. Is it possible to feel, this is my question that I've been wanting to ask. Good. That's our you. intro right there. That's it. That's how we discuss me. <laughs> is it? Is it, is it, are we able to stay in the window of tolerance, which maybe Aurora, will you explain what the window of tolerance is? I want to hear your language. Are, yeah. Are we, are we, 
Are we? We're here because this is that was such the perfect that was this is the extension of the conversation that began two weeks ago that is here now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The window of tolerance, um learning about it and picturing it in my mind when I go through experiences in my body has really changed my life. It's really helped me mm. conceptualize what is happening. And so um, when I consider the window of tolerance, I think about these two parallel lines, um, one on top, one on bottom. Um, and then within those two lines, there's this wavy line, right? Which is to me, the flow of sympathetic and parasympathetic activation of our nervous system. Right? So we have this amazing autonomic nervous system that is always running behind the scenes for us. Hmm. It's running there. It's, it's for us, right? Whether we believe that, understand that, know that or not. Um, I, from what I can tell about the body, the autonomic nervous system is there to keep us alive, right? So even if that's all we take away, like, okay, my body is for me, it's keeping me alive. Like I'm here. And a big part of that is because my body has kept me alive, right? In a lot of different ways, some of which have really served me and some of which have really not. So within the autonomic system, there's the parasympathetic part of your nervous system, which is your rest and digest, which is your safe and social space. Um, but it can also be linked to that like time where things have been too much for too long and you collapse, right? Collapse is also kind of a parasympathetic response. So it's not good or bad. It's, it's just, this is kind of the body state we're in when we're parasympathetic. We are uh, low energy uh, or mid-range energy, but like it's it's relaxed or um, the body is uh, soft, right? The muscles, the tissues are softer, whether you're in collapse and you're having a hard time getting off the couch or you're um, chilling and you're feeling just like free and flowy and easy. And then you have your sympathetic side of your nervous system, which is your get up and go, right? And um, that can be related to your fight or flight. Somebody cuts you off on the freeway and your heart starts racing. You're like, oh, what a jerk, right? Like that's sympathetic energy that just like came, came alive in you, right? Um, but it can also be, you know, what happens when your heart is pumping and you're excited about something or you're dancing or you're on a hike with your friend and you're talking and you're like, whoa, like there's all this energy, right? So again, like these things aren't good or bad. They're just here. And when we can witness them and, and notice them as they are, um, they're part of our body's experience of being alive. And so within your window of tolerance, your body's always going through these ebbs and flows of um, sympathetic activation and parasympathetic activation or response to your environment, whether that's external things or internal things happening inside of you, right? Your body's there responding in either a sympathetic activated response or parasympathetic. And when we're in our window of tolerance, we're still able to kind of like feel the flow of life and like we're feeling like ourselves and like, you know, these are all the parts of me that are alive in me. And so when we're talking about anger, like, yes, that makes me angry. And there's sympathetic energy or activation in your body when you're angry, right? Which is connected to the fight response really strongly, right? When something comes toward you that feels like a threat 
and um, the body goes into fight, the emotion that might come up might, there could be anger and that would make a lot of sense, right? The muscles tense, you, your fists get tight and it's like, you're ready to punch something, whether or not you've made the connection in your prefrontal cortex or not, right? Like here I am raring to go. And I, to your question, like, I do believe that can happen in the window of tolerance, but I don't know that that is the experience that we've witnessed of anger most often in our culture, in our world, um, as it is today. Um, and so, you know, what would it be like to consider anger and like the levels of it and like what point does it turn to rage? Because to me, rage is like outside the window. That's like, boom, I popped above. There's no coming back. Yes. I don't know. I just went on a rant. So yeah. No, no, it's not a rant. I have a question actually just for like for people that are kind of jumping in because we've already sat in some of the conversation and what maybe a question that as a listener for me that comes up is what does the window of tolerance have to do with anger? Why would I want to be in my window of tolerance around anger? Is that necessary? Like what's the backdrop of the window of tolerance and anger here? Yeah. Well, I think that what happens often when we, um, when we move out of our window of tolerance, um, it can be hard, especially with a history of trauma, um, to find your way back to your window of tolerance. So, um, it, it's, it can be that when we pop up above our window of tolerance, which isn't a bad thing, it's going to happen. It is going, it's a hundred percent going to happen in a normal body experience that things will be too much for us. And that's when the body really goes to work, right? The body's like, I got you, right? When, when everything else like fades away, when you're presented with a real true life threat, your body's designed to pop you up over that window of tolerance and mobilize your system so that you live, so that you survive. Now, when we've been traumatized and we get popped up above our window of tolerance, um, it can be that you either get stuck on, which is like you live then up above your window of tolerance because your body reads that it's actually not safe for me to be in my window. So I'm going to have to hold on to this state so I can make sure that I don't um, get hurt or um wow something bad doesn't happen. And so I think that's really common, right? When, mm -hmm. when people are living up above their window, that's when um, anxiety is runs rampant in our body. And then um, when that happens over a long period of time, we start getting other symptoms um, related to inflammation and things that um, our bodies weren't designed to hold on to for so long. Mm -hmm. right that's so key mm -hmm. we can also though drop below our window of tolerance right and a very common pattern in a traumatized nervous system is when we get uh flooded with something that's too much or or a trigger that feels to the body like oh this is too much we pop up above our window and we spike and then the body's like, oh, can't do that. That's too much for me. And so then it goes into conserve mode and it drops below the window and we check out and we dissociate. 
And we go, okay, I'm, I'm out. I'm done. I'm just going to lay here and let this. I know this pattern. Yeah. I'm like, oh, I, oh yes. I recognize this one. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> Does that answer your question? At least? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I feel like that's where I spent so much of my childhood living is I, I felt like I, okay, well, I feel anger. What do I do with it? I'm too, you know, um, at least as a kid, like I'm too little to be mad and yell. And I mean, some kids do, but I was in a culture where you got to shut it down and just swallow it because it's a bad emotion and it's frowned upon. And so I think my invitation as an adult has been to like, I want to dance with my anger. I want to know how to hear it and listen to it without without naming it as bad. I want it, I want to receive it as the information that it is because when, now I know if I'm feeling super angry about something that lets me know a boundary has been crossed. Mm -hmm. And so I need to make a stronger boundary or it lets me know a needs not being met. How can I meet that need for myself? Mm -hmm. Or how can I ask for it? You're smiling at me, Aurora. Why are you smiling? Tell yeah, me. Yeah, well, absolutely. Because, and this is something that we talked about in our meeting that we haven't shared here yet. But for me and my experience, my experience with clients, my understanding of the body is that um, anger, fight, these things come forward because something's not working for us. Mm-hmm. And the energy, this activation energy is like this fire that can transform the circumstances yes. so that it's like a signal to pay attention. This isn't working. So mm-hmm. we need all this energy to come forward so that we can change the circumstance and land on the other side. Yes. Anger as alchemy, right? Yes. So it's, mm. yeah. The, and this so just what you said it in regards to anger and it's funny because i i experience that emotion as i want to embody i want to become anger i want to become rage and move it i i in order for it to like almost to be exercised by it is kind of mm. the way i might immerse myself in it because it's been so taboo mm-hmm. okay so it now if i just said that same thing about joy people would be like, of course, embody your joy. Yes, Elise. Yes, you're happy. Yes, you're exuberant. Yes, let your light shine. (laughs) And now if I said, and now it's fire and uh, it wants to engulf the world, now all of a sudden it's scary or too big or whatever. So whatever has occurred in regards to forbidden feminine rage, right? Like the, the, the fruit that cannot be touched, accessed, expressed, um, towards ourselves, towards the world, towards our children, towards our clients, towards injustice, towards whatever. There comes to me like this like sense of um my inner rebellion, inner rebel, which I feel like she keeps me alive, is not only will I go get that, I'm going to become that in order to transform. Mm-hmm. I want all access to my anger as my right as a human being the feeling and the expression because I think that there's two different things the feeling state and then the expression of so I am angry and I can express my anger in a way that is safe but is also as big as it needs to be there it is that's the word is safe Mm -hmm. and and fire 
a raging fire is not safe to be around, right? There's a point where there is danger. And that's where rage, um, a lot of times in our experience, when we've seen it, witnessed it, felt it, there's destruction. And there's um, other people get harmed. And then after that comes the shame spiral. So what is the line of like, and how do you remain safe within yourself and with other people? How can other people experience your expression of anger as still a safe place to be? Here's the irony in all of that is that to me, anger, I am learning. I have not fully arrived, but I am learning. Anger is actually there to keep me safe. Yes. Mm -hmm. Anger is there to give me energy, to mobilize me, to have the hard conversation, to remove myself from the situation, to end a relationship. Anger is almost like a safety vest. Mm -hmm. but has also been used to blow things up in a harmful way. It's both. Which is sometimes necessary. Yes, absolutely. Yes. Oh, which is yes. sometimes there we go. Yes. necessary. Yes, because yes. like, sometimes like we're talking, I was thinking about uh, the times when culture turns over, right? Like, when I think, like civil rights movement, when there's times where it's like, oh no, rage is required and it's we're going to burn it all. It, it, you know, there's these, there's like, that's when there's massive upheaval where the, the dominant culture even needs fire yes. and then yes. shift. And that's a macro, right? Perspective, the large macro, but like just the interpersonal, the most micro experience of anger. Am I allowed to be mad? Mm-hmm. How? What does it look like for me to not just be mad, but to release my mad? I, I mean, it, it can feel really, um, I can feel like fumbly. Mm. At least there was a situation recently where I was like, I'm, I'm really upset by this. And you're like, Jess, I want to hear you feel really upset by this. And I was like, Oh boy, what does that mean? Mm-hmm. What does she want? And you like, you just kept like revving it, revving it. And I was like, yeah. Oh, this actually, I've getting to do it in the safety of a friendship and just say all the messy, loud, blech. just get it out in the safety of, of a dear friend who knows me, knows my heart, sees me, so that I can then turn and show up in the place where I need to make change yeah. with that pipe already clean. I think yeah. where we get in trouble <laughs> is when the, when the pipes are clogged and we're trying to unclear them in a harmful way directly with the person we're mad at yeah. for the release. So that that actually brings up interesting, like the role of uh, trust in relationship, like the safety piece, where it's mm. like, it's like, uh, is this the safety, the container of our relationship, or the container of what was there? You can be as messy or as big or as unsafe, air quotes, as you need to be, to just say the unthinkable, to just uh, to purge the rage, right? we'll probably need additional language to keep exploring and expanding on. Well, this is why it's so uh, therapy and and the therapeutic process is so valuable because if we have a history of not being in safe relationships, 
Um, if we've come from a family dynamic where there was no safety in how we showed up, um, no matter what our feelings were, we've then gone out into the world and we've tr maybe tried really hard to find safe relationships, but have we been able to do that without a truly safe other? And and if that hasn't been the case, that's where a therapist can come in and support a real authentic experience yeah. um, mm -hmm. where there is safety. So then that person starts to understand what it feels like to be safe in their own self with their mm -hmm. anger. So then when they engage in the world, there's more trust that they've been able to yeah. build in the safety yes. of the therapeutic relationship. You two have talked about this beautiful friendship. What if that's not available for somebody because they have never been able mm -hmm. to or understood how to create a safe friendship? Mm -hmm. That's what therapy is all about. Like, yes, yes. let's yeah. go. Yes, yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I think it's safe to say that Jess and I could do that because we've been actually in therapy in a group together for years where we mm -hmm. practiced anger relief. Mm -hmm. we, we literally were like, has whole sessions devoted to releasing anger. Yeah. So mm -hmm. then we, I think we could almost take it and say, come on, right? Come on, yeah. come at me. Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. Let's practice yeah. this together. Let's my dance. When you said I want to dance with my anger, Jess, I was like, yes, because that leaves room for curiosity and like, what does this feel like? And that has to be a window of tolerance experience. When we're out of our window of tolerance, because something's been, it's gotten too big, then we've lost our ability to be curious about what are the edges of my anger? What does it feel like to be angry? Do, does my heart start beating? I think for the most part, most yes. people have that experience, but like, can I actually feel that? Yes. Is that true for me right now? And in order to actually feel that, there has to be a level of somewhat like uh, groundedness or regulated, right? Yes, and out yes. of our window, it's impossible. It's just so yes. then, red. So then how would someone move from, and I know there's a thousand answers to this, but in this moment, how does someone move from, I am hyper roused out of the window back to in the window where I am open and available enough to have curiosity. Yeah, there are a thousand answers. That is such a unique um, experience for somebody. However, I will say this, it is to make your way back into the window that is the most important part. Mm. So figuring that out for yourself through experimenting with um, different somatic practices, right? That's, that's what somatic experiencing is all about, right? Like what happens when I push into this wall? Do I get more activated? Does that actually serve me or no? Um, what if I went on a run around the block? Maybe there's more flight energy that I needs to move through before I can actually find my breath again. Or maybe it's that like, I'm feeling myself climb. It's feeling like too much and I need to pause and I need to breathe. And maybe the parasympathetic activation response is available for me in this moment. Yeah. So not only is it unique to the person, it's unique to the moment because something that may have worked for me a bunch of different times, if I met with a new scenario and it's triggering something that I haven't explored, I need to be able to um, 
to explore other tools, right? And, and remember that this one way of being, this one breath technique or this one, you know, thing that I learned isn't the only thing. Okay, so that I raised my hand, but then I was realizing that this is not a visual experience. <laughs> I'm like over here, teacher, help me. Um, there was like my brain forked. <laughs> so one of the places was um, actually talking about breath and ways to force breath as a way to release anger. You know how I know that this is somatic practice, and they should people just call you instead, which is great. And then also the the piece that you hit so hard so beautifully for us in the meeting was the importance of the settling and I feel like Mm -hmm. that is what just like dropped me I was like ah so Mm -hmm. would you be willing to share like even like the wall push anything that's like hey these are ways in which it has looked like anger it can look like a a health a safe anger release Mm -hmm. or do you feel like that's outside of the scope because people listening might try this and they don't have an appropriate uh it's not wouldn't be an appropriate intervention if they don't know what they need Yeah, no, I think that, um, I think it is important to do this kind of work with a safe and trusted um, advisor, supporter, um, somebody who has training. Um, However, what I will say about our conversation that I think is really, really vital, um, we talked about um, having an experience of releasing anger is really important And yet I think often what might get lost is the coming all the way down off the mountain, right? And sometimes when we have big experiences where like a lot of energy has come forward and released, um, whether it's like doing a wall push in session or something Mm -hmm. like that, sometimes right after that, somebody will be like, oh, I feel better. And I I feel kind of tired. And that's interesting. And so to stay with, okay, tell me more about feeling tired and letting them experience that relaxation response and, or it could potentially be that ping pong of super sympathetic up over the window of tolerance and then dropping below the window of tolerance. And so to really consider, am I below my window of tolerance And if that's the case, can I follow that and support myself in getting a little bit, um, a little bit activated again to find myself back in the window, which then would be that settled experience. Like I've actually landed and I'm back in my body and I'm back in my experience and I can look around the room and I can feel myself present and I know that I'm settled again. This is why the window of tolerance is so important in the anger conversation. Because I think when so many of us think about anger, we think of the out of it on the hyper side where there's, there's violence, there's hurting people, there's punching walls. And then the hypo side of, and now I'm just um, spent, I'm, I'm spent and I'm incapable of learning from the anger. I'm incapable of making the changes necessary. So this is why it's so important is what I hear you saying is if you can actually slow it all down and tend to the body to get either go up or go down the ladder to get back into that window, then break the plates, do what you need to do. But then, I mean, safely, 
that was a weird example. <laughs> but then get back to the get back into the window, because then we have choice. We can we can organize a event to make change. We can go and speak on the thing that we wish other people knew that we've learned and the anger is activating us. I hear you just like, you need to get back in the window when you're in the window, you have choice. Yeah. And And that's embodiment of the pipes. Sorry, Elise, go ahead. That felt like embodiment. It's embodied anger, right? Post-release is like, there's still, there's embodied power Mm -hmm. rather than I have to leave my anger because it's inappropriate or bad or whatever. And I'll just go to make change. I'm probably going to do that mad. Right. Yes. Do you, know I, do you know what I'm saying? You see like people that are like really mad when they're, they're like trying to like make change mad. I'm like, okay, that's mm-hmm. nothing feels incongruent here versus mm-hmm. the, the person who has transmuted or alchemized that anger through the embodiment through full release and full coming into the power of self to say, I am here now. And I'm, I'm clear. And I'm in, Mm -hmm. I'm in me. I'm in that window. That is a beautiful languaging of that. Yes. Thank you. I love the way you bring it around Elise and and you, you really wrapped that up beautifully. The, the piece that took me off, like, I I mean, I would literally feel like I was going to fall out of my chair when you were talking about it was the radical tenderness on the other side of anger mm. almost made me want to have more of it because there was such like felt like such luscious repair like a place that like the softest place to land mm. um on the other end that wasn't I'm sleeping now <laughs> like that wasn't exhaustion it was this float it just felt so held I felt so held when you were discussing where we would end the process of release so it gave me information that if I am not in a place of either like clear like the rage feels complete or the anger feels complete I'm in a place of of non-urgent motion almost Mm -hmm. that that I know that like okay this is what it could feel like and now I'm it's it's finished that chapter is is remedied Mm -hmm. does that make sense I think I've left a lot of things in rupture and I'm not getting all the way to repair. And then instead I've been angry. Yes. Well, and interesting that you say that because as you were talking about kind of like completing that cycle at at the end of that, in that really tender place that you land, like you're talking Mm -hmm. about, that's the place where we learn how to trust ourselves. That's where we build trust with our own body and with our own self. Does everyone feel grounded just hearing that? So gentle. Wow. Of course. When you said that, I was actually thinking about the couples therapy my husband and I have done um, and this like cycle of like, well, that, that, that didn't go all the way through. And so there's like Mm -hmm. this thing that comes, this thing that comes up, this pattern that comes up. And the reason it keeps coming up is because it hasn't gotten to close the loop. Yes. And when we've closed loops in our relationship, there's this like new level of care and trust and love in my marriage 
And when you were saying that, I was like, yes, yeah, we close the loop, but we do it with ourselves and we do it with our bodies. Mm-hmm. And we can learn how to trust that my body is capable of experiencing anger without hurting myself or someone else. Mm-hmm. I'm capable yes. of feeling this big emotion, moving with it, experiencing it, and landing on the other side of it, feeling more embodied, feeling more like me, and having clarity about how to use what just happened inside of me to make my way forward in my life, to make this new boundary, to have this hard conversation. And that's the anger I want to listen to Mm -hmm. from someone else. I'm so, say that again. That's the anger I can hear. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and that's, there are, there is a difference, right? When I, when I hear someone who's mad, uh, when I want to lean in, cause I'm like, there's something very vital and important happening here. Like, like you have a right. I want to make, when it's a client who's in front of me, you have a right to your anger, say it louder. I I'm like, I want you to, to take it, be as big as you need to be on that. Right? feels very different than anger that my whole body wants to lean away from and be like, Ooh, no, you know what? Like that feels whatever hollow reckless reckless some mm. yucky <laughs> whatever other really intelligent words like yucky there are <laughs> I don't know how to be heard so I'm going to say it louder and with more aggression mm-hmm. and that feels That's like you're disconnected s- anger yeah. yes mm-hmm. disembodied okay. disembodied let's I want to like um for one, like I would love to be able to maybe go through a couple questions. So if you guys have a question to people that are listening that could help them think about where they could take this conversation, I'm literally asking you on the fly. So I'll go first, mm-hmm. but it's like, um, my, some of my question when you're listening right now and you've listened to Jess and Aurora and I, and we're kind of processing through window of tolerance, your right to be angry, what embodied anger is some of the things that come up for me would be, have you ever, what does anger have to do with tenderness? (laughs) Have you witnessed embodied anger? Do you know you have a right to be mad and it doesn't make you bad? Anger for me has been, just such an uncomfortable emotion I move from it as quickly as possible and so my invitation that I like the thing I'm leaning into there's a question here the thing I'm leaning into is where are the places I have ignored my anger Mm -hmm. that I need to circle back and move into action and allow allow it to create change and so for the listener, what are the places where you have moved quicker from your anger that maybe it's okay to circle back to? And what are the changes in yourself, your home, the school district, the community, the culture that we can make from this place where we're connected to the window of tolerance, where we're sitting in that, where we're able to be curious about it? Mm-hmm. 
I love those questions. All of those questions. I would probably ask somebody who is maybe new to looking at their anger because it's been too much, too big, too scary. Um, what does your anger look like? Right. And so to um, literally draw it out mm. um, and start with the visual, um, the artistic, something that feels accessible to play with. Mm -hmm. um, can I get playful and curious about what my anger looks like? And maybe you do that in a, you know, a drawing, like a, I, I'll do this exercise where I'll draw a gingerbread person. And then in the gingerbread person, like, cause there's hands and a head, but it's not like me. <laughs> um, <laughs> like, this is what I, what, what it looks like in my head, or this is what it looks like in my hands. And so to um, at least be able to touch into the feeling mm -hmm. through the visual or through the artistic um, is a way to start. And so that would be my question is what does, what does anger look like for you? And that feels so accessible. Like I could do that with a piece of paper. And I mean, I did it in my mind as you were talking about it. I'm like, oh, mm -hmm, mm -hmm, yes. Um, and then it feels safe because I can, I'm doing it outside of me. And that feels like such a nice entrance to, or introduction to my anger is I don't have to have it go all the way in if I'm not really ready. My container yeah. doesn't feel sturdy enough or I want someone with me. Yeah. But am I safe enough to doodle it, uh, to scribble mm -hmm. it, uh, mm -hmm. and, and to start there? And then maybe even like keeping that scribble. And then when you feel ready, taking just one part, be like, can I feel that one part? Can I feel the heat in my cheeks? And then deciding, deciding. making a choice and be like, no can't go there today you know like and that's okay and letting that be okay yes what I love about that is there's no words we don't need to know the story to our anger we don't need to spend energy justifying the anger explaining it we just there it is <laughs> and the part you said just now to Aurora around choice feels radically uh, like like redemptive to say like, I get to have a say so whether I say no I I can't today or yeah it's today. I'm, I'm having some choice in my anger which again feels counterintuitive to the messages we have around anger that somehow there's just no choice it just overcomes me it's like <laughs> to hear you say I get to pick apart and choose it and see where it goes feels um Again, safe, mature, contained, whole. Mm -hmm. And we don't always get to have that experience because if something's truly a threat or a perceived threat in our system, our system will overtake. Mm -hmm. So, and, and that's not bad. That's, that's very important. And we can um, lean in and do the work when we're not activated. And, and so that we then can take the choice back and we can dance with our anger. I just love that. <laughs> I do think there's a book called The Dance of Anger. So I just, <laughs> I want, just disclaimer, that was probably locked in there somewhere. I love it. But yeah, hmm. to, to dance with it, then you get to choose. You get to choose what you do and where you go and how big the dance is. Mm -hmm.
Thank you guys for just even, I don't know, sitting back down to circle back and see where else's conversation wanted to go. Mm -hmm. More of it. I mean, this is the, you know, kind of using our voices over here feels exuberant to me. It feels like it's um, another form of liberation. I really, really appreciate getting to not know and learn and just being alongside you. Same here. And I mean, Aurora, you, you helping us understand the physical experience of anger and how to get back to that place where we're not shut down, but we're actually tender and with feels so good. That I could say, like, I trust myself. Yeah. I'm in process with trusting myself. That's the beauty, isn't it? Mm-hmm. That's the gift I hope everyone invites them into giving themselves. Mm-hmm. I mean, when when you get to witness that and watch somebody begin to build that relationship with themselves, themselves, it's just like oh so beautiful such a gift to the people around you like if you actually do your work you're gifting other people around you what it looks like to be embodied and authentic and more of you and alive Mm -hmm. it's worth it I feel like we're landing the plane, but I do have one question mm, hit it. for for Aurora. Where would passive aggressive lie? Because that can't be Jess, in the window of tolerance. Jess starts a whole other podcast. <laughs> <It> totally does. <laughs> I have no idea. Can we back to that? What Jess that? is like, did... more from my own life. Can you tell me about <laughs> passive aggressiveness? <laughs> That's a really important conversation, though. I would. How, how about we open that up to our, to the listeners? Yeah. Come back. Tell us what you guys think. About oh my gosh! Yeah, where that fits in. I was going to go into like family roles, like who was allowed to be mad, who wasn't. Um, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, woof. So Is clearly, the- there yes. needs to be a follow up episode. <laughs> we will be writing our own questions. Please write your questions in. Join our questions for more <laughs> of our conversation on anger, passive aggressiveness, and how we all fit in. <laughs> Woo! You guys, thank you for listening. Um, as always, we want to hear from you. Uh, this podcast is is conversational, even if it's not back and forth ping pong right here and right now know that we are on the receiving end of your experience and your questions and your curiosities and your wounds and your victories and the different things that you alone have witnessed. And so if you have something you would like to explore, if you have an idea for us or want to contribute to, hey, keep going with this part of the conversation, or if there was something that emerged for you while you were listening, would you let us know? And then we're going to pick back up. Um, Again, you can reach out to us anytime. Hello at radicalwellness.co. 
can find us on Instagram, the World Wide Web, all those lovely places. Um, but just know that we really appreciate your listenership and we appreciate your, your learning and living alongside us. If there's anything that we can do to support you in this journey, uh, we're here. Okay. Have the best week, you guys.